Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody's gonna pay. <laughs> hey everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. It's out in the night out. You're tuned in to Wrestle Talk. 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews for professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... All right, everybody, welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast tonight. That's right, tonight is Tuesday night, and you are tuned into the Wrestle Talk podcast once again. And we got a great show lined up for you. I am John Haas, normally back there behind the boards. And uh, tonight, I'm coming out from behind the boards, though, to help out, as I'm going to be doing from time to time. And so let's go ahead and get started here with the Wrestle Talk podcast, brought to you by Everything Combat with Jay Hollywood, Jeffrey Wilson, and UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich, Royal Mills Transportation, KC Sports Bar Kansas City, Ken Cade Painter's Dream Productions, and Interstate 70 Sports Media. So we're coming off of a big weekend here with the WWE pay-per-view and everything, and they had a pretty good pay-per-view going. But before we get going into any discussions or anything, I got to get myself my my co-host in here tonight. So Mr. Drake Lee, the city on the hill. How you doing tonight, Drake? Drake Lee, are you there? The thoroughbred of lust. Everybody's waiting to hear from you, man. Where are you? Where are you? Are you there? Drake, can you hear me? Oh, hold on. I'm getting a message, guys. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Well, looking at this message here, Drake is there. But breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news. <laughs> It seems that Mr. 
Dr. Drink Lee hosted himself his own watch party this week as well as attended our Skype watch party. And uh, he seems to have partied a little too much and has laryngitis, ladies and gentlemen. So we cannot hear Drake Lee. My goodness, Russell Talk family, what do you think about the fact that we can't hear Drake Lee tonight? Oh my goodness, I don't. That wasn't what I was expecting. But uh, Drake, can, can you make any noise for us at all, or or anything? You know, or anything you can do just to let us know that you really are there. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's Drake Lee, ladies and gentlemen. That that's Drake. Okay, well, let's uh, go ahead and continue on then. So, as we always do at this time, let's go ahead and pay homage to the best damn country in the world, and that is America, damn it. So, remove your hats for the national anthem. Oh, talk he would say it brings a tear to his eye every time so there you go i said it for you drake so ladies and gentlemen let's go ahead and continue on here let's get to the high spot segment where you can be the guest as well feel free to call in and talk with us there anything do with wrestling anything on your mind wrestling related 657-383-1521 and we will definitely get you on So let me go ahead and hit that high spots music. Mic check, mic check. Yeah. All right, all right. WrestleSalt Podcast. DJ Money. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome to High Spots, where we pop news like Blair Chops. We talk shop, coming through the screens of a laptop. And non-stop, like I want to speak to the black top. We hit hard like chair shots and backdrops. Like a clock flash, look like a belly flop. Now that's hard. We up to speed while they stay slow. Wrestle Talk Podcast, now they know. We about to start the show. Uh. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank DJ Money for that great High Spots introduction. And be sure to go pick up his new album, Bottom of the Bottle, available on Amazon and Spotify. Once again, make sure to call in 657-383-1521 to discuss anything wrestling related with us. Tom, ladies and gentlemen, I do have someone who's going to join us for the High Spots segment. 
she is from Lovettsville, Virginia, and she is my sister. She also is the general manager of the Inferno brand for the Fantasy World Wrestling chapter. Let's hear it for Susie. Can you hear me, Susie? Yeah, I can hear you. It's, it's you know, my pleasure to be here. And I just want to say, you know, hi. And DJ Money, that is an awesome song. So I will be checking out your album very soon. Hey, so uh, All right. you know, one, of the big, one of the big things that we probably should bring up tonight, and I'm sure people are going to want to call in and talk about, that, uh, that WWE pay-per-view. I mean, really, you know, I got to give credit where credit's due for once. WWE, you know, kept me enthralled the entire time. I was really into the match. I think it was one of their better pay-per-views. They, they actually did. They did a very good pay-per-view. My only complaint about their pay-per-view, which I've heard several people commenting about, was the fact that during the last man standing match, there was a lot of things that went back to AEW. They used the golf cart to run people down as they did in AEW. They used the forklift to dive off of as was done in AEW. Yeah, that's my only downside to the pay-per-view is I don't know whether they're whether their production department is getting skimpy on the ideas or what but it seemed to me that they did copy AEW a little bit there but other than that it was a pretty good uh, pay-per-view filled with a lot of action-packed matches and stuff so overall it was a good pay-per-view we had a good watch party sponsored by the Wrestle Talk podcast and uh, Mr. Drake Lee did get to drop in for it and as did many others here Yeah, I mean, you know, that was awesome. The watch party was so totally awesome. And, you know, if you didn't drop in on that watch party, you missed it because it was a great party. You know, Drake Lee was there. Um, We saw Kurt Gannon. He came by to see us. Um, B. Will was there, you know, and we had several other guests. You know, it was an awesome time, an awesome opportunity you know, there were some prizes given out, and it was just really awesome. It was awesome to see people from the FWWC there, and, you know, it was really awesome to see both Dewan Mills and uh, the Night Owl, you know, jumping in and out of the call. It was really a great time, and it made you feel like part of the party that you couldn't go to in Kansas City from home, you know, and like for me personally, you know, traveling sometimes to these parties isn't always the the easiest and cheapest thing to do, but being able to get on this watch party, it was just so much fun to talk to people and laugh with people, watch the show with people, you know, be able to give your opinion of the, of it as we were going along, and it was a great time. Yes, it was. So what was one of your favorite matches of the night? What was one of your favorite points of the night from the pay-per-view? Um, you know, I think the women's match was a killer match. I think the women really burn the house down, so to speak. You know, um, one of the things, and, you know, being a female, uh, you know, in the FWWC, I got to tell you that sometimes the females get overlooked. You know, the men are always the ones that are being hyped. The men are always the ones that look good. And I'm not trying to sound sexist on this. I'm just saying, 
that the women don't always get a good shine. And I think the women went out there and absolutely killed it. Um, you know, that women's match was awesome. And watching uh, Belair take it, you know, Bianca is, I think, a very underutilized talent. And I love the fact that she won it. And she's going to be able to take that belt or she'll be able to take that opportunity and move on for a chance at a title. And it's going to be awesome to see her do that. So I really like that match. And it was kind of funny, uh, you know, when our truth kind of inter- interrupted and, you know, you know, we saw the belt change hands. One of the women won it. And then after getting eliminated, they went after it again. And it was a lot of fun. I think that match had some fun to it and, you know, was very entertaining. Yes, that that was one of my favorite matches as well because, like you say, there was a lot of action in in it. Um, they were very entertaining, and up until the end, it did never really got down to a point where there was only very few people in the ring versus the men's Royal Rumble match, where you know there were several times that you only had four or five people in the ring, and. So I, I just thought there was a lot more action in that match than there was the uh, men's match and some of the others. But like I say, all ma- all the matches really were action-packed matches for the show. Oh, they were. And, and you know, in the men's match, i got to say that one of my all-time favorite moments of the men's match was seeing Damian Priest. Um, you know, seeing him come over from – you know, NXT and and bringing him up onto the main roster, I just think that is one of the better moves that WWE can do. I think bringing in some new guys and bringing in some fresh entertainment is awesome. I mean, you know, sometimes it gets kind of boring when you see the same things over and over. How many times are we going to see KO and Roman wrestle? How many times is Goldberg going to come back and, you know, wrestle anybody and, you know, either win or lose and, I just think, you know, it's it's awesome to see some of the talent that's on NXT finally coming up. You know, Rhea Ripley in the women's match. It was awesome to see her out there, and she held her own for a while, and she did really well in the match. And, you know, it's just always great when you see talent from the NXT come over and interact with, um, you know, the WWE brand. I just think that that is always entertaining, and it's always kind of giving a fresh avenue of storylines to go in new directions. Oh, yes, that, definitely. Um, and talking about talent that that you would think would be coming up, um, WWE recently brought up uh, Lars Sullivan, but I just got a uh, story here across my desk that Lars Sullivan, WWE career is over. Uh, that WWE has released him. For reasons ranging from injuries to lengthy unexplained absences, being fined $100,000 and ordered to undergo sensitivity training for making racist posts, uh, and also acted in an adult gay film, which certainly didn't go with the company's PG direction, uh, which is very surprising. Lars Sullivan, when he first came out on the... Uh, main stage i mean he was supposed to be a big thing and it's shocking to see that they have already released him and said he's done with wwe wow you know um it's kind of not surprising because he kind of you know he always seemed to have a bad attitude and and i know a lot of that is character but you know it seemed to me like you know talk in some of the fan sites you know you would they would always talk about 
seeing him outside of the ring, you know, as he was coming or going from the ring and he seemed to be as nasty there as he was in the ring. And, you know, it's just, it's always, it's always kind of sad to hear these things, but I mean, you think about um, China, for instance, you know, China kind of went into the pornography field for a while. And as soon as she did that, WWE kind of cut themselves off from her because it's not family oriented, like, like they wouldn't want it to be. So, you know, knowing that he's kind of doing pornography and, you know, other stuff, it really doesn't surprise me that they would cut him for that. But, um, you know, it's a real shame, you know, and in this day and age, you know, having racist remarks and, and being racist in any way in this day and age is just, it's not cool. It's not cool at all. You know, we're, we all are put on this planet by the Father, and we're all put here by God, and we deserve, we all deserve a chance to live a happy healthy and you know free life because that's what we're put here for we weren't put here to be tormented by others and i'm glad to see that wwe you know is going to stand up and say look if you are the kind of person that's going to be racist and biased you have no place here so i applaud wwe for that oh yeah definitely and wrestle top family we want to hear your thoughts on this and and uh what do you think about Lars being released and also your thoughts on the pay-per-view? So be sure to call in 657-383-1521, and we will definitely get you on the air and get your thoughts. So please feel free to call in and uh, talk with me and Susie on this. So uh, do you have anything else you, you want to discuss? Any other points that you have? Um, You know, just, like I was saying, you know, I was I was glad to see people like Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley brought up. And, you know, I think that the, the guys and girls over on NXT, they do a great job. And, you know, they really, you know, put themselves out there. But I don't think that they get as much, um, you know, fanfare or as much um, of a push as the WWE stars because they're kind of like minor league of wrestling, so to speak, you know. And uh, so I'm glad when I see them bringing people up and uh, giving them the pushes they deserve. It was also kind of good to see Lana back. Um, You know, Lana seems to have come back and she's like ready to go. And I was totally surprised when last night Lana and uh, Naomi got to be number one contenders for the women's tag titles. That was a mind blowing experience. Um, you know, what did you think when that match came on? You know, a triple threat. Did you ever think that Lana and Naomi were going to get it? Well, you know, knowing WWE the way I do, and knowing it was for the number one contendership, I thought then, well, with the way Nia was doing Lana a couple months ago, WWE is definitely going to give Lana a chance to uh, come back and even up the odds, basically. Uh, so I kind of had a feeling that they were going to give it to her. Um, the same time, the way she's been playing this innocent little girl who stands outside the ring and does nothing. Uh, but they're always the ones that seem to come up and win everything. So it was kind of back and forth. But um, but I had a feeling that that's the way that one was going to go. Yeah, and you and, know uh, another. Oh, go ahead. I was I was just going to say a, a, another thing for me was just 
some of the people that they brought back seeing them, you know, like seeing Carlito after all this time and everything, he, yeah. he actually looks really good. And then seeing him back in the Thunderdome last night, you know, seems his presence may stick around for a little while. You know, that, that's kind of neat the way they bring people back in a surprise like that. I, I did enjoy seeing that as well. Yeah. So what do you think about this angle they're playing with Ric Flair and Charlotte? I mean, you know, it's, I mean, you know, you've got to, you've got to hurt for Charlotte when your own father is turning against you for a little tart like Lacey Evans, who, you know, quite frankly, just kind of relies too much on her, you know, sparkling personality, if that's what you want to call it, to get ahead. And she doesn't seem to be able when it's time to get in the big matches and in the big spots. Just she just falls short. But yet here she is, you know, coming trying to come between a man and his daughter. And Ric Flair seems to be letting her do it. Of course, he's he's the dirtiest player in the game, and you know he's always that whining, dining, limousine riding, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing guy. But you know, always a ladies' man of sorts. But um, you know, how do you? How do you, if you're Charlotte Flair, how do you deal with, you know, your dad turning against you and costing you matches? Well, you know, that, that's that got to be hard for Charlotte. At the same time, though, you, you look at Ric Flair, and like you say, the dirtiest player in the game. Yeah, there, there's not a trick he wouldn't pull out of the book. And just nothing should be unexpected when it comes to Ric Flair. And then you look at Charlotte and you know, all the fans love her, and she doesn't exactly carry on Ric Flair's dirtiest player legacy. Uh, so, it, it in a way, it doesn't surprise me that Ric Flair is like, okay, she's not carrying on my legacy, so let me go out there and show her how this is done, if that's what this is. Um, so, you know, there is that. So... Go ahead and continue with your thoughts here for just a second, and uh, I will step right back in here real quick. Okay. No, I mean, I was just saying, you know, as you know, as somebody who has a, a very good relationship with my own father, I just can't imagine that if I was in Charlotte Flair's place and I was in the ring, you know, winning, trying to win my match, and then some tart came out of nowhere and turned my father's head, and then he turned against me for her – I, you know, I don't know that Lacey Evans would be walking for very long. Of course, I tend to have a rather bad temper, but, you know, I just, but it just seems to me at times that Charlotte handles it with grace and she, you know, is like, oh, I'm so above this. And, you know, she kind of does have that untouchable type attitude, but it's, it's showing kind of a, a vulnerability to her, if you will. And uh, it's kind of weird to see that because Charlotte has always been, the queen who holds herself above everything else. And as I said a moment ago, she seems to be untouchable. And now all of a sudden, oh, yeah. she's touchable. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I got another caller here who's no stranger to the podcast, who uh, he just thought he'd call in and give a couple thoughts on the pay-per-view and everything. So let's bring in the maestro of the mic, Mr. Jeremy Carp. Out, Jeremy. Are How you are there, you both buddy? doing this evening? Hey, Jeremy. Oh, doing good. To hear good. You. 
That is wonderful. You guys are, let me just say, first off, you guys are doing amazing so far. I'm loving every minute of it. Well, thank you. <laughs> you are very welcome. So, so I heard you both talking about the whole thing going on with Charlotte Flair and Ric Flair and Lacey Evans, this whole crazy triangle that's going on. And yeah. when I think of Charlotte Flair, and I want your guys' thoughts on this, when I think of Charlotte Flair, I think of someone like Randy Orton, somebody who I have a hard time believing as a face. Maybe because as a flair, flares are known to be heelish. They're known to do all the sneaky tactics and everything. And, yeah, crowds will cheer him probably one way or another. But at the same time, I don't know. It's weird having – because we've seen this before. It's just the roles have been reversed where Charlotte acts like she doesn't need her father, you know, and she turned on him as opposed to now he's turned on her. And – it's weird seeing it in reverse. I'm just, and it's like, like I said, it's like Randy Orton. I'm used to seeing Randy Orton as the bad guy. He's more sinister that way. It's easier to believe. And to me, Charlotte Flair is just one of those wrestlers who is easier to believe as a bad girl as opposed to a good girl. What's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, let me jump in real quick if I could. Um, you know, it's kind of like for me, it's kind of like with Steve Austin, you know, when Steve Austin was suddenly tried to make him a face, even as a face, he was still a bad guy. And no matter what he did, the fans cheered him. The fans loved him. And you would have thought, Hey, this guy's a good, a face because look, there's nothing he can do that the fans will turn against him. And I think in a weird way, Charlotte is the same, whether she's a face or rather she's a heel, the fans just love her and they're not going to turn against her either way. And now, Ric Flair, in his heyday, you know, he's been a face, he's been a heel. Most of his ride, he was a heel. Uh, and people love to hate him. You know, it's just the way it is. He's one of those guys people love to hate. So when he comes out and he does this, the fans are like, oh, that's just typical Ric Flair. You know? But, you yeah. know, like I was saying before, with Charlotte, you know, she's one of these girls that she's, She's always been the, I'm better than all the other women. I'm untouchable. You know, nothing you can say or do phases me. Now all of a sudden here she is with Asuka, her and Asuka's partners. There was a time her and Asuka hated each other. You know, they couldn't stand each other. And now they're tag partners and then her dad's turning on her. So I think they're kind of trying to bring a little bit of a softer side to her. But like you were saying, you know, she's just one of these people I have a hard time seeing as a face. So that's why, you know, her reactions to this are even kind of like, yeah, this is what I expected, you know. So she doesn't even seem really upset by it. She just seems to get angry by it more than anything else. So, you know, but you've got to wonder if, I mean, I know, you know, I know what wrestling is all about, but you've got to wonder, though, down inside how much it really bothers her to, to do this angle and have daddy against me than to be with me. Yeah, and I think when it comes to the Flair family, I mean, uh, we've had some of those controversial angles before. You know, a few years ago, they had brought Reed Flair's death in an angle, which, you know, was completely classless and disgusting. So we'll see where this whole thing with Charlotte and Ric Flair goes from here. I just think it's kind of of weird and kind of hard to follow, but we'll definitely see where it develops. Definitely. I mean, I it's kind of an interesting angle, 
but in a way I kind of wish there was someone else so like maybe one of the women from the past like uh you know maybe bring back um I don't know, Melina or, you know, one of those other women from the past that could come back and be Ric Flair's arm candy instead of Lacey Evans, you know, it just seems so out of of place for it to be Lacey Evans, you know, bring back Stratus or something. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that would have been interesting. (laughs) Yeah. All righty, well. I wish they had thrown in the mix too. Was you know um, Trish Stratus? She would have been awesome to come back at the Women's Royal Rumble. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I enjoyed the Women's uh, Royal Rumble match more than the Men's as well. Um, I will say that much. But yeah, it would have been nice. There's a few more surprises in there in both the matches. But overall, you know, I was very happy with the pay per view. Um, I enjoyed. I thought it was very well. The Last Man Standing match. Aside from the botched finish with the handcuffs, it was very intense from start to finish. So, overall, a very solid pay-per-view from WWE to kick off 2021. Yeah. And I know one thing, Jeremy, that you were very happy about. And what was that very happy that You were very happy that Goldberg did not walk away with that title. Oh, my God, yes. Hallelujah. Oh, I cannot, I almost like just, I was jumping up and down celebrating the fact that he lost as quick as he did. He could not have left fast enough. Oh, I was a you are absolutely right. I was a little worried about that match because, you know, they kept uh, making the, the announcement, you know, that this was the one title that Goldberg needed. This was the one title to complete his legacy and Goldberg really and I kept thinking oh my gosh please don't give this to him just to you know cement him he's already cemented he doesn't need this you know it just it blew my mind because you know people like Goldberg and Hulk Hogan and you know some of them they just seem to me like if they come back for matches they refuse to lose you know it's like no if I can't win I'm not coming back and I kind of always thought Goldberg was one of those because of the way he always comes back and wins. So I was praying, you know, do not let him win this match because that to me would just only prove that Goldberg was one of those that refused to put anybody new over and would always had to have the spotlight for himself. But when he lost, I got to admit, I, and the way he handled it, I was totally impressed. And I have a little more respect for Goldberg and after this match than I did before. I'm just glad he didn't come in and win the Men's Royal Rumble like I was worried about, too. I thought he would lose the match and then win the Rumble, and then the cycle continues. But you are absolutely right. I'm thankful. You know, he he's taken the high road. He's definitely not Hulk Hogan in that regard. So, I'm yes, you guys are absolutely right. And with that, I have to bid you both farewell, but I will definitely be listening to the rest of the show. You both have yourselves a wonderful evening. Thank you too, Jeremy. Jeremy. Before you go, before you go, any last words for Drake since he can't answer you for once? Oh, man. Oh, it sucks because the one time, the one time uh, he can't <laughs> say anything back at me. Ah, uh, the big pansy couldn't couldn't hack it tonight. Oh, man. He's going to let me hear it the next time he's on, though. But you know what? The show's doing great without him, so that's all that matters to me. We don't need big right, head well, anyway. 
Thank you for calling in, Jeremy. We'll of talk course. to you Peace soon, and love, buddy. everybody. Have a good night. Night, Jeremy. The maestro well, of the mic, awesome. Mr. Jeremy Carr. It was awesome to hear him. It All was right. Great. And is there anyone else out there that wants to say something or wants to bring something up or, you know, give us a call guys, 657-383-1521. Come on, man. We know you all are out there and you have things you want to say. Actually, he was the only one to call in. It's actually time for me to go ahead and uh, I have my guest on the line here. So it's time for me to transfer into my interview. And thank you very much for uh, joining me there, Susie. And if you want to stick around, maybe, just maybe, there might be time to bring you back in during the second hour to talk just a little bit before the uh, second interview once Joe gets back. But uh, we can definitely see about that. So I'll be listening. I'll be here. All right. Well, appreciate you calling in. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time for our first interview of the night. He is a member of the 2017 class of Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. And we want to thank him for joining us here on the program this evening. He is the butcher. Yeah, I've got some music here somewhere. Sorry about that. That's one of the things that uh, when you're by yourself there, you kind of overlook. But uh, he is the butcher, Damien Blade. Welcome to the show, Damian Blade. Nice to have you here tonight. Are, are you with us? Yes, nice to be here. How are you tonight? Oh, I am doing great, sir. Thank you for calling. It's always a pleasure to uh, get to talk with people here about wrestling, a sport that we all love near and dear to our hearts and everything. So it's always a pleasure. Absolutely. I, I, most definitely. So let's go ahead and get this uh, interview kicked off here. Uh, so when did you first start following professional wrestling? Oh man, I was uh, I was very young. Um, it was uh, January of 1984. It was when Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik uh, for the then WWF uh, Championship. I was sitting on my dad's lap watching it. And uh, I instantly became a fan at that point. Um, and I knew what I wanted to do with my life after seeing uh, that. And uh, 22 years later, um, after starting in the business, I've, I've had a 22-year uh, career and uh, probably wind down in the next five years. Oh, well, that, that's, that sounds like awesome, man. 
Yeah. So you said that uh, you were watching Hulk Hogan as as a child, and that's when it started. Um, so obviously Hulk Hogan was one of your idols. Uh, who else did you idolize as, as a child growing up watching wrestling? Um, you know, I I idolized uh, the Road Warriors, uh, and uh, kind of cool story uh, after that. Like whenever I got in the business, um, uh, kind of became an acquaintance with uh, Joe Animal, which was really cool. Um, so you know that getting to meet your uh, idols that you grew up watching, and then you know getting to talk to them and pick their brains and that kind of stuff is really cool. Uh, so you know the Road Warriors, Hulk Hogan. Um, Ric Flair, um, you know, all the greats, uh, of the eighties, um, and early nineties, uh, just, uh, I, I go back in time and I still watch that on the network and like, I, it still brings a smile to my face watching that old school wrestling. Oh yeah. There's, there's nothing like the old school stuff. You know, what they do today is uncomparable to, to the stuff back then. It's, just totally different world. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to be one of those grizzled veterans who don't appreciate the art form that these guys are creating right now. Um, I, I think, you know, like Ring of Honor, AEW, you know, those companies who do it a little different than the WWE does with the high flying and stuff like that. You know what? It has this niche audience. Uh, people watch it, obviously. Otherwise, it still wouldn't be on TV. Um, I watch it, um, and I have nothing against it. It's just uh, it, in my heart, I like to watch old school wrestling and the characters. I was big into the characters. Oh yes, def- definitely, definitely. I mean, there there's a lot different between the storytelling of today and the storytellings of yesterday. And, uh, I mean, the stories of yesterday, just it's just so much better than what it is now, at least in my opinion. And uh, I enjoy the older stuff as well. So it's it's good to go back and watch it and know where it came from, you know, and how, and how it's evolved. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a whole lot more simple. It was, uh, this guy made me angry, and we're going to fight in the ring. Now it's too much stuff backstage and you know my you know this girl left and did me wrong and it became a soap opera you know um old school it was just uh, let's get in the ring and fight you know and uh, i think a lot of people yeah. still want to see that and, and i kind of see an evolution in wrestling starting to happen again going back to that telling the story inside the ring and that makes me happy yeah Definitely. As I did my research on you for tonight's program, I noticed that you were trained by some pretty recognizable names in the world of professional wrestling. Can you share with the listeners what it was like to train to become a professional wrestler for some of them that might not know what, what you really go through and what it's like? Wow. Uh, when I first started, I was trained by some local guys, uh, Frankie D, Johnny D, um, uh, mean Mark uh, Stone, guys like that, and the local indie guys. And, uh, you know, they can teach you a lot. And don't get me wrong, local guys can teach you uh, the fundamentals. Um, but I always say you need to go and 
be taught by someone who's been there, who's been to like WWE or, you know, been to a, 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 a bigger venue, you know, to, to show the, their craft. Uh, so I got taught by Pat Tanaka uh, about, I was about a year in the business before I did that. And uh, Pat Tanaka is obviously, a, you know, a former uh, WWF uh, wrestler from the 80s. Um, he was in bad company in AWA. Um, so I got, I, I got taught by him. Um, I also uh, was taught by Dan the B. Severn, who a lot of, a lot more people know him from his USC days, uh, fighting Ken Shamrock, but uh, he's had a, an amazing pro wrestling career, uh, former NWA world champion, and, you know, he's done a lot in the business. Uh, he was also in the WWF at the time. So, you know, I, I've been taught by guys who have been to the big dance, I guess you could say, and uh, you can learn your fundamentals from almost anybody in the business, but you get a real uh, grounding in the business from the guys who've done the traveling and were taught the, the way that you should be doing uh, the moves in the ring, you know, for the camera, for the audience, that type of thing. I also noticed that in 2000, you had an opportunity to compete in Japan for FMW. From what I've seen, FMW Correct. is a lot different than most professional wrestling groups. For the for our well, listeners who are familiar, oh, go ahead. Uh, whenever I first heard that uh, Pat Tanaka actually got me um, my gig over there, and uh, I was uh, sitting with my buddy whenever we uh, got the. Uh, phone call that we were going over there and he was like we're going to FMW in Japan that's going to be great and I go do you know what FMW is <laughs> and he wasn't familiar with it but I had watched FMW and uh, it was like ECW but uh, even more extreme FMW was crazy they done some crazy stuff over there um, so like I was worried. He was like, uh, I, well, I hope we'll be okay. I'm like, yeah, we'll be fine, but you know, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Uh, so I went over there. I did, I did a pay-per-view, um, and, uh, I wrestled a, a six man tag with Pat Tanaka and my, my partner at the time, bad Brad Elliott, who, uh, uh sadly, uh, passed away a couple years ago. Um, but, uh, it, it was really cool because my only pay-per-view match was for the six man, uh, tag team championship. So I, I found that pretty cool. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a cool match. I may have to go back and see if I can find some footage of that one. So, uh, <clears throat> throughout the course of your career, you've often been interviewed with, with the searcher. What can you tell tell us about your history with him? Um, my history goes back to we basically started the same month working for the same wrestling company and training. Um, we initially did not like each other. We looked at each other and was like, I don't really like you. Um, but somewhere within the probably the the next couple months of training. Uh, we really started to just click with one another. And uh, since 1998 now, I guess, um, we've been inseparable. Uh, he is 
my brother that doesn't have an ounce of my blood in him, but uh, I, I've never had a brother, and he's the closest thing to a brother that I will ever have. Uh, there's, there's very few people in this world that I I would die for, and he's one of them. Uh, we, you know, we treat each other like brothers. We fight like brothers. We, uh, you know, we we just have a, a an amazing history together. And uh, one of my <clears throat> one of my biggest goals for this next year is to have one more match with him. Um, but he's got to come out of retirement for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, we'll get to see that. I'm, I'm sure that would be an awesome match. You know, to have one more match with him going. So in 2017, your accomplishments were acknowledged with your introduction into the Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. How does it feel to be a member of the Hall of Fame while still being an active in-ring competitor? You know, it's it makes you feel good. Um, I I keep putting the words how it makes you feel when your peers look at you and say you are a hall of fame worthy uh getting in this business 22 almost 23 years ago i i never you know thought i would have a quote-unquote hall of fame career obviously um but you know the midwest independent wrestling hall of fame was created to acknowledge guys on the independent circuit who otherwise wouldn't be not acknowledged so you know that that's that's cool to me that my peers um, found it noteworthy looking at my accomplishments and, you know, working with me and going, he, he deserves to be in this hall of fame. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's an honor to, uh, to be inducted into it while still in an active career, especially with, with your peers and everything inducting you into it. Um, that just has to be an absolutely awesome feeling to know that you're respected that much and, your career has gone that far. Absolutely. And uh, we've got, uh, we've got a great group of guys going in uh, this year as well. Yeah, I believe I have the list here. Uh, Ron Powers, the giant assassin, cowboy, Bob Orton, rough cut, Rick Ruby, Mr. Big, Uh, Memorial Hall of Fame inductee, a, a series. I'm not positive on oh, that oh, name there, but oh, thank you very much. So, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, it, could you take a few moments and just talk about each of the uh, each of those inductees for, for us? Oh, absolutely. Let's start with uh, Osiris. Uh, Osiris is a, a gentleman who uh, I would say paved the way for a lot of high flyers in the area. Um, he was up. He was from the Chicago area, but he came down to uh, St. Louis to wrestle for a bunch of independents down here. Um, overall, just a great technical worker with high flying ability. And uh, every year the Hall of Fame, you know, wants to pay uh, tribute to uh, someone that has passed on who uh, contributed to the business. And uh, you can't find a more deserving individual than Osiris. Um, then we have uh, Rough Cut Rick Ruby. Um, 
Rucka Rick Ruby was uh, in the business when I started. He uh, actually, I would say, he helped me along in uh, my training process by showing me how to be a good heel and getting heat. Uh, Rucka Rick Ruby has been in the business, I, I want to say, 25 years. Um, still active, uh, still an amazing worker. Uh, I, I don't know anybody that can't get into the wrestling ring with Rick Ruby and have a bad match because he's that good that he, even 25 years later, can can put on a great match with anybody. Uh, Mr. Big, uh, Mr. Big is a, uh, a manager. He's uh, retired, but uh, he... Mr. Big actually managed me at one point um, in the early 2000s, I think it was. Uh, he is just a legendary name among St. Louis wrestling who was taught by uh, a lot of the guys at South Broadway. He wrestled for Midwest, or I'm sorry, he managed for Midwest uh, Powerhouse Wrestling uh, and a few other local uh, independent federations and uh, just a, a, a great pick. Uh, for a manager to be in the Hall of Fame. And then we have the Giant Assassin. The Giant Assassin, whenever you mention names in uh, the Midwest uh, independent wrestling scene of guys who are deserving to be in a Hall of Fame or who taught people the ropes or this kind of thing, the name Giant Assassin always comes up. He is a man who's well-respected and uh, has done a lot to... Uh, help other guys along in the business uh, as well. So another great deserving name. Uh, then we have uh, Ron Powers. Oh, my God. Who don't know who Ron Powers is? Ron Powers uh, has done uh, – uh, he's wrestled all over the world. Uh, and, you know, he brought that unique style to St. Louis independent wrestling, uh, more of a uh, King Kong Bruiser Brody style of uh, just hard hits and uh, – uh, kicking the living crap out of guys and uh, it was something that St. Louis wrestling needed and uh, that's Ron Powers and last but not least we have Cowboy Bob Orton I think everybody knows who that is uh, Cowboy Bob Orton was in the first Wrestlemania uh, Bob Orton is more than just Randy Orton's dad <laughs> if you ask a lot of young guys they're like oh is that Randy's dad uh, no, uh, Randy is Bob's son. Bob has done so much in the business, and especially for the guys in St. Louis. Once again, another guy that if you, uh, you say, you know, who taught you a lot in this business locally, the name Cowboy Bob Orton always comes up because he's always there willing to help guys out, show them a different way of doing things that makes sense, and just an overall great guy. Um, done a lot of traveling with uh, Cowboy Bob Orton and uh, just just an overall great guy and very deserving. You know, obviously he's in the WWE Hall of Fame, but I, you know, as far as an independent wrestler, he done he done a lot outside of WWE that needs to be recognized, and that's what the uh, Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame is is going to do. Oh yes, de definitely. And that, that looks like a uh, very stout class of people going in there. And actually, Ron Powers will be joining us in the second hour. So he is our second interview of the night and look forward to talking with him as well. So in the last couple years, 
you've really been competing in a number of different promotions throughout the Midwest. Is there any one you would like to compete with before your in-ring career is over? Any uh, promotion or any wrestler? Is there any? Well, actually, let's let's go with both of them. Um, first, is there any promotion that you really want to compete with uh, before your career is over? And then uh, we can also go with, is there any wrestler? What wrestler would you like to compete with? What would be your dream match? So let, let's go with both of them. Sure. Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> one of my buddies the other day is like, you're having a, a weird Hall of Fame career after you got inducted in the Hall of Fame. I, I just recently checked off my bucket list uh, working for a Lucha Libre company up in Chicago, which I thought was I was like, I, I've never entertained the thought of doing that. So that was pretty interesting. Um, as far as local groups, I think the only one that I really have not well, there's two that I haven't worked for, and that's WLW and Dynamo Pro. Um, to be honest with you, I would love to work a Dynamo Pro show just to say I did it um, because, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, uh, ones that I just haven't ever worked. So it would be kind of kind of cool to work there because uh, I work for South Broadway. I work for SICW, ACW, WPW. Um, so, you know, I, I work for a lot of other local, uh, indie groups, but that, that would be one that would stand out in my mind. That'd be fun to work, work, uh, at as far as a dream match or a dream opponent. Let me see. I've got so many, there's so many guys that I've recently just checked off my bucket list, like Ricky Cruz. Uh, I finally got to wrestle Ricky Cruz, which was awesome. And Gary Jackson, uh, flash flying again, some guys that I just haven't, ever had a chance to, to work with and I got to, which was really neat. Um, I, you know what? I'll tell you uh, a guy I'd love to work with Billy McNeil. Um, he would be a fun match to have that I, I've, I've never had. Um, he's been in the business probably about as long as me, but we've never really crossed paths and that would be uh, uh, a fun time. I do believe in the ring to work with him. Uh, another one is killer Keith Smith, who is retired. I'd like to bring him out of retirement and uh, work a match with him. And maybe even your guest later on, Ron Powers, would definitely be a dream match of mine. Oh, well, that that may have to be something we have to relay to him there and uh, see what he's got to say on that one. So it would be interesting. Yeah, you know, I've never – yeah, he probably don't even know who I am, to be honest with you. <laughs> but uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, I I've, I watched him since I was I was young. And I'm like, you know, I always looked up to Ron Powers. You know, he was the name in St. Louis wrestling that people talked about. Uh, no matter where you went, they're like, uh, Ron Powers, Ron Powers. And, man, I would love to get in the ring with him just one time. Just because everybody's like, he's smash mouth and, he, you know, he's he, – he, throws his punches to, you know, to, to hurt you. And I'm like, that's my style of match. Let's do it. <laughs> so I, I would love to work with him. Yeah, well, like I said, I'll have to bring that up uh, when I interview him later and uh, and see if he has any thoughts on that. Yeah, maybe that's something we can even uh, help facilitate for you. Who knows? <laughs> I like the so, sound uh, of that. <laughs> <laughs> So I tell you, I, I really love doing these interviews because I find out so much about people, and uh, I, I get so engrossed in these interviews, and 
all the information I get and everything. And they go by so quickly. Um, it, we're actually coming to the end of our time for this one here. It, it just They just seem to go by, I tell you. <clears throat> so our next thing here is a segment that we, we normally do. We call it the shoot and shout. Basically, we give about 60 seconds, uh, and we'll, we'll give you 60 seconds, I'll get 60 seconds, and normally whatever co-host we have also gets 60 seconds, but unfortunately my co-host tonight uh, had laryngitis, so kind of hard to talk on a podcast with laryngitis. But, uh, that so, is true. <laughs> uh, and with, with that 60 seconds, we want to know what is ticking you off. And it doesn't even have to be wrestling related. You know, what ticks you off? What is one of your biggest pet peeves or, you know, whatever it is that you want to put out there and, uh, and just go off about it for 60 seconds or so. Are you going to be game to do that for us? How about I split it up and do 30 seconds on one and 30 seconds on another one? Because I got two. <laughs> All right, well, I got a little bit of music I'm going to play here just to introduce the segment, and then uh, then we'll get into our shoot and shout. guest tonight, uh, why don't you go ahead and get us started off with your shoot and shout. Sounds good. The first one I want to talk about is the shutdowns that just shut down professional wrestling in this area. I am so ready to start wrestling in this area again. Uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of restrictions and whatnot, but I, it's, it's time to bring wrestling back to the people of St. Louis they 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 want it so bad they're they're asking for it so we we need to find a way to keep them entertained as long as this shutdown keeps going which I've done for the last year but it's time to ease back into doing some shows it's time to entertain the fans second thing is there's a young guy out there named PT Beckham he wants to talk trash on me all the time. He he wants to make these cute little videos with him and his little buddies called the Unbroken. Well, P.T. Beckham, guess what? You got my attention, son, and I'm coming for you. Uh, that that sounds pretty serious there. I, I'm not sure I'd want to be in his shoes. So. Yeah, and, I don't think he wants to be in issues. Yeah, and, and as far as your first shooting shot, I tell you, I have to agree so much that it's just time to get back. Time to get back to real life. Time to get back to real live wrestling. Um, we actually had one show in my area, because I'm actually from Virginia, um, and we had one show in my area that they actually had scheduled a show a few months back and they were going to take temperatures and everybody had to wear a mask. They were going to space everybody out. 
They were going to limit the crowd. And, you know, somebody got got a bug up their butt and decided they had to meddle where their business wasn't wanted and called the health department and said, look, we don't think they should do this show and, and got them shut down. Uh, unbelievable. And, and it, it was actually the day of the show that the health department actually called and said, we're not going to allow you to do this. So, <laughs> The, wow. the poor promoter had to shut the show down on the very day. You know, he had to get a hold of everybody and cancel and get a hold of all the fans. And, you know, uh, people just need to leave all the people stuff alone. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, I, I guess I'm going to say a third one now, but, uh, go, you know, piggybacking <laughs> off of that, it's like there's there's some of us wrestlers who make extra money off of this. You know what I'm saying? We, we have, It's an extra income for us. Well, that income is gone because wrestling has been shut down for a year. You know, I, for guys like me who have a gimmick that sells a lot of merchandise, you know, I can walk away, you know, selling a couple hundred dollars worth of merchandise on a Saturday night. That's extra money in my pocket that I don't have now. So, you know, it's affecting a lot of things right now. Yeah, it is. And I, I tell you, I can't wait until – this thing is over and we can actually get back to business. It's, it, it is high time. To you and me that. both. Amen. Yeah. So I actually, I actually, I guess that, that would be my shooting shot was, uh, you know, piggybacking off of yours as, as well is that, you know, people need to mind their own damn business. <laughs> you know, yeah. I would totally let agree. People live, <laughs> let people live the way they want to live. Don't worry about what I do or, or what you do, or you know anybody else. Worry about what you do, and, and let you be right, and everybody else can be themselves. So, if somebody wants to go to a wrestling show, who am I to say don't go to that wrestling show? Right? Exactly. There was one person who commented because uh, they did a Facebook post letting everybody know things have been canceled. One person commented, "What type of moron would want to go to a wrestling show in the middle of a pandemic?" And I was. Um, excuse me, this type of moron. And am I right. really a moron if I'm going to follow the guidelines? If you don't want to, if you don't want to go, stay home. Yeah. Well, but, you know, some of us don't live in fear either. I, I don't live in fear. I wear my mask when I'm in public, and guess what? I'm going to live my life. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a very informative interview, and I'm. Very happy to have talked to you and everything, and I've gotten to learn a lot about you. And definitely, uh, you, you got to promise us that you, you will come back soon and talk to us again. Oh, I would love to, absolutely. Well, we we definitely will try to get that uh, facilitated to get you back on sometime so we can learn more. Because, I mean, with like I say, with these interviews that go by so quick, we just barely scratch the surface of you know, what's going on and everything. So we want to thank you for coming on and being on the program. And uh, if we haven't already done so, how can how can our listeners follow you and Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame on social media? Um, just look up Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame on Facebook. Um, I'm personally on uh, Facebook under Damian Blade. Um, I'm also on Instagram. 
Um, and hopefully we can have a set date for the Hall of Fame coming up. But, you know, with all the restrictions, it's, it's very difficult to nail down a date right now. Um, uh, we may have it outside if necessary, but we want to make sure these guys get their uh, Hall of Fame rings. So, uh, yeah, just follow us on social media and we'll keep everybody updated. Well, we, we definitely appreciate that, and we'll definitely be looking for that information to uh, to come out, and we definitely will pass along to our listeners when, when we find out. And best of luck to you. I know you said, you said your time is coming to a near there. I, I think you said, what, another 25 years maybe? I wish I could go another 25 years, but probably about five. That's about as much as my wife's going to tolerate. <laughs> uh, okay, the the body may tolerate a little bit more, but the wife won't. Understood. I, I got that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I know where my bread is buttered. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, we want to thank you for coming on tonight. Like I said, we definitely would love to have you back sometime, so we will uh, – We'll try to get that scheduled, and uh, we hope some people will uh, will follow you. So thank you very much for coming on, and we look forward to talking with you in the future. Thank you very much for having me. So, thank you, Damian Blade. All right, well, that concludes our first interview, our first hour, ladies and gentlemen. Also, uh, make sure everyone – checks out John Cosper at eatsleepwrestle.com. While you're there, stop and take a look at all the great books that he's written and are for sale, including his new book, excuse me, his new book, Chris Candido, No Gimmicks Needed, written by John Cosper and Johnny Candido. So we talked about that uh, book during the Royal Rumble watch party for those of you who were there. We all had a good time at that watch party and uh, had some fun giveaways and everything this past Sunday. I heard a lot of great things from Joe, Renee, Skywalker, and even Drake Lee has some of John Cosper's books in his personal library. So, uh, you know, if Drake Lee's got it, everybody needs it. Right, Drake? Oh, yeah, that's right. Can't talk. Never mind. Uh, so pick up your copy tonight at Eat, Sleep, and eatsleepwrestle.com not and just eatsleepwrestle.com and on Amazon so that's going to take us into our first break here Uh, when we come back we will have Ron Powers on for our second interview and also Nightmare Jones should be joining us here shortly so while we wait for him to call in Let's go ahead and go to our break. Of consciousness 
So I'm going to bring Susie back on real quick. And uh, you and her talk a couple of high spots here real quick while I step to the side and just check here for my uh, for our second guest, which you will be taking the lead on, sir. Absolutely. What's going on, Hardcore so, Jess? How you doing? I'm doing just great there, Nightmare Jones. How are you? Oh, man, I am doing wonderful. Uh, I'm not sure if you all were able to, to talk about the uh, Royal Rumble or, or not, but I got to say the Royal Rumble was not too bad. There were a couple hiccups. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I've seen was with the Women's Royal Rumble, which everybody is, is you know, saying it was a great rumble, was that, that it looks like Bianca Belair's feet may have touched the ground. So did Bianca Belair actually win, or did they just, or was it just, did the referees just not see it? You know, if they did, then they probably just didn't see it. But, uh, you know, I think it was awesome that she did win it, and I really, you know, I, I think she was very emotional afterwards, and I think that the Women's Royal Rumble showed, as I said earlier, that those women you know, you've got women out there that know how to steal the show. And they know how to make this look pretty easy. But I think one of the highlights for me of the women's match um, was when R-Truth ran in. You know, I think R-Truth getting into the women's match was just totally hilarious for me. Yeah, R-Truth is uh, definitely good for uh, comic relief. Let me tell you, like... (laughs) He just like shows up in the middle of of the he just like like runs down to the middle of of the ring and gets in and then ends up getting pinned and loses his belt and then <laughs> oh, yeah my you know and a couple weeks ago when he showed up during the hurt business segment thinking they were throwing him a birthday party uh, you know right? he is truly clueless but I think that's what makes him so funny. But the one thing that I saw that even that a lot of people saw, and and as a referee, this kind of irked me, was during the Roman Reigns match. The referee was at six, and Roman Reigns still wasn't to his feet. And the referee just automatically just stopped counting. And I was like, as I was sitting at home, and I was like, why have you stopped counting? Like, like you're a referee. You're supposed to continue. <laughs> I mean, I know that that may not have been what the finish was, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. You know, I was, on one hand, kind of hoped that, um, you know, he was going to lose it last night just because, you know, as much as I love Roman Reigns, this heel, I I don't like the heel side of him, you know. Uh, This, I'm the head of the table, I'm your tribal chief. You know, come on, you ain't my tribal chief, and you certainly aren't the head of my table. You do not put food on my table, so you know I will not. Sh- I will not respect you as that. But I mean, I you know I know wrestling is what it is. It's all a gimmick, and I get that. But you know, yeah. I was just kind of hoping maybe they were going to give the belt to um, KO, even if it was maybe for a month, and then give it back to Roman. You know, I just think that at some point it would be cool to see Roman get kind of a, a comeuppance, if you will. You know, and kind of put him in his place a little bit. You know, I I, I guess yeah. the way I'd like to see him turn him back to uh, you know face, but um, Lord knows that he's definitely got the attitude right now to be a heel. So, oh yeah, 
Like, I, I didn't think that Roman Reigns was going to be able to pull off the heel gimmick, you know, just with, with how his character was. Like, he's always been a face. And he has, like, surprised me 100% with the with his availability to just get the, the fans to, like, hate him. Like, he's taken this whole gimmick of the, uh, the head of the table, and he's ran with it. Like, I mean... He is like running at full steam with this gimmick, and and I think that uh, putting Paul Heyman with him was made it even better because anybody that Paul Heyman with is automatically ten times better than what they already were. Yeah, I can see that. You know, but I was kind of also hoping during the men's rubble last night that Lesnar was going to come back, and then maybe we would see Lesnar and and Roman fighting for Paul. You know, I thought that would be cool because, you know, Lesnar will never follow Roman and Roman would never be behind Lesnar. That would be a phenomenal thing to see Lesnar come back and then Lesnar and Roman have a few matches, not just for the title, but for Paul. That would have been been really, really interesting because especially if he would have came back and then he if he would have won and then so he goes to to WrestleMania like who's – but whose corner is Paul Heyman going to be in? Because we know that Paul Heyman is with Brock Lesnar, but we also know he's with Roman Reigns. So who's he going to be with? Man, that would have been an insane gimmick. Man. That would. And, and, I mean, we could still see it. It's still possible that it could happen, but that would really, in my opinion, you know, that would just be so cool. I, I would love to see that, and I would love to see Brock Lesnar, who the fans hate no matter what, and now Roman, who the fans are starting to hate, just the two of them going at it for Paul Heyman's services as well as a title, that would be, I think, a series of really cool matches that WWE could cash in on real big. But, you know, I guess only time will tell. That's right. Only time will tell. So, what's up? We had our special guest on the line, but he seems to have dropped. So hopefully he'll be calling Uh-oh. back in here very shortly. And, you know, I'll let you know when he does, and we can get him get him on the line just as soon as he calls back in. Okay. That well, hey, sounds good. While yes, we're ma'am. sitting here waiting, don't you have uh-huh. some KFAB news for us? Some kayfabe news. You know, I, I always have kayfabe news. That That is the one thing the Nightmare Jones always has. So let me go back into my files and see if I can pull up any kayfabe news for us. Because I always, you know, have, you know, Nightmare Jones is, is always good for the kayfabe news. So let me go back to, to my thing and see what I can find. And while he's he's looking for his kayfabe news, just want to give a shout out to Herb Simmons, who is listening here, Uh, always a faithful member of the WrestleTalk family. Uh, Thank you for listening, Herb. He's glad to uh, have you listening with us. Hi, Herb. So... And Skywalker, too. We all know he's all watching. All right, so 
so so here here you go. So Huckle Hunter, if you can hit that breaking news for us real quick. Uh oh. Uh oh, breaking news. This should be a good one. Upcoming Canadian sports entertainer Edge became an underdog hero to millions last Sunday when he catapulted into the spotlight by winning the 2021 Royal Rumble. This Royal Women has skyrocketed the scrappy WWE rookie into the main card picture. And Tom Bichette, the so-called Raider X Superstar, can handle the special of the main event status. Edge's real name is Adam Hardcastle has been generating some buzz around his hometown of Toronto with performing with the Apocalypse Wrestling Federation for trainer and promoter Ron Hutchinson. So, as you can see, the rookie Edge won the Royal Rumble last Sunday. Like, did you all, could you all ever imagine a rookie winning the WWE Royal Rumble? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fake news. Kayfabe. And you know, I, okay. I thought his real name was Adam Copeland. Well, according to Kayfabe News, it's Adam. Uh, according to, to, to Kayfabe News, his name is Adam Hardcast. Well, consider the source, I guess. <laughs> okay, Joe. It looks looks like we got our uh, our guest back on the line. So I want to thank Susie for uh, coming back in again and, and chatting with us for a little bit more. So always a pleasure. It's always my pleasure, guys, anytime. Have a good interview. All right. So, Joe, would you like to go ahead and introduce our second interview for the night? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It would be an honor. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is a long-time professional wrestler and member of the 2020 class of Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. This, this guy debuted in 1986 and has competed for multiple promotions, including Mid-Missouri Wrestling Alliance, Gateway Championship Wrestling, World League Wrestling, Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling, Windy City Pro Wrestling, Big Japan Pro Wrestling, the NWA, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and WCW. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our honor and privilege to bring on the man, the myth, the legend, Ron Powers. You guys hear me? Yes, yes sir. we I hear you. Welcome to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. Hey, sorry, man. Sorry about the intro. I guess there's a little bit of a delay here. What's going on? Oh, man, we are happy to have you, sir. 
it is is going to be a honor and a pleasure to have a man with, with such a professional wrestling background onto the show. How are you tonight, sir? Oh, I'm doing great, doing great. Just uh, hanging around the house as COVID's kind of uh, got me uh, got me uh, kind of grounded. But uh, but other than that, everything's going pretty good. How about you guys? Oh, absolutely. I'm doing absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'm sure the whole school hostage is doing great as 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 well. Uh, Mr. Powers, you have had a quite a professional wrestling career. You know, you you wrestled. Men such as Ed Smith, the Giant Assassin, Mill Maskers. The one that that, that comes to me is a guy that we've had on the podcast multiple times, and that is the King of Chaos, Ricky Cruz. Uh, Can you tell us about your battles with Ricky Cruz? You know, when uh, when Ricky came into the area, you know, uh, uh, I – you know, he was trying. You know, he was getting in the locker room and stuff like that, hanging out with uh, the Smiths and stuff. And I think he was dating uh, their daughter Amanda. You know, great, great people. You know, Amanda's Amanda's wonderful, uh, and Ricky's a great guy too. Uh, you know, Ricky uh, started uh, started hanging out and stuff like that, coming around, uh, saying that he knew, you know, he knew how to work and things like this. And he worked. He came out of Puerto Rico and stuff like that. And uh, you know. And I'd have to say that me and Ricky just really gelled. I mean, Ricky always, uh, Ricky always brought out the best in me. Unfortunately, when I ran into Ricky Cruz, I was probably uh, 10 years retirement age. So, um, you know, he was kind of, you know, I mean, maybe not in his peak. I mean, I think, I think he kind of came around the territory a little bit after his peak, but I'm sure, I mean, at his peak time, uh, he was just a superior athlete and just, just knew his, uh, just knew his shit in the ring, you know? And, uh, and my, you know, I was on my way out, you know, and I just, you know, I didn't have any, any ump, you know, I mean, they talk about Shawn Michaels losing a smile. I just, I just lost everything, you know? And the thing is, is when you don't really, when you don't really feel, you know, when the, when the mind's there and the body's not, you just kind of feel like a lesser of a, of an athlete, you know I mean? It just, it, it, and, and, and I wasn't really feeling confident in my, in my, in, in my wrestling ability at the age that I was when Ricky came around, I did the best I could creating the feud I could for Herb and uh, Larry. Uh, I think it actually worked out. But one thing that I really love about Ricky is Ricky, Ricky knew my weaknesses and Ricky could work around those and Ricky could, encourage me and stuff like that and push me and you know i mean for me ricky cruz made it more interesting for that short period of time there's a few guys that came across i wrestled for herb simmons most last 10 years of my career uh there's two guys that okay. kind of changed there's two guys that kind of changed my way uh, i wouldn't say changed my way of thinking but maybe kind of got me uh, to be a little bit less uh less lazy you know i mean because i mean i was doing it every month you know and it's just you know, and it's it's one of those things. How do you miss me if I don't go away? You know, and and I felt like I had to be there every month, and it was just it was really tough, man. I mean, it was really tough on someone that basically you know was past his peak, past his prime, and you know just trying to you know carry a promotion and get things going. But you know, I mean, there was two breaths of fresh air during that period. One of them was a Flash Flanagan, and the other one was Ricky Cruz. Mm-hmm. And you know, I always be grateful for Ricky to push me to the point that he did because. You know, he kind of made it fun again for that short period we had those feuds. Yeah, Ricky Cruz is an absolutely amazing person. He's very splash famous. Uh, 
Man, again, uh, man, 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 man. You know, there's there's just so much that you know you 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 you've been through. You know, you debuted in in, in 1986. Uh, what made you want to become a professional wrestler? You know, a lot of people a lot of people don't know the background to uh, to how I actually started. Um, I really, I, I really like professional wrestling. I mean, I, you know, my thing was, you know, we didn't have cable back then, man. I mean, you know, this is, this was 19, you know, the early eighties, you know, we had wrestling at the chase and, and I followed it, uh, you know, I followed it from match to match and, you know, my mom would, you know, be yelling at me and honking the car, you know, honking the horn out in the car, uh, because we're going to be late for 12 o'clock mass, but I had to lot, you know, I had to watch everything. I was just always drawn into that. I was always drawn into fighting and, you know, and combative sports and things like that. And, you know, uh, one thing that was different about pro wrestling, it just it took a lot more talent to do what I do and not hurt the guy than to do what I do and hurt the guy. So, you know, that was the biggest challenge was, you know, I mean, I was 270 pounds, you know, so the biggest challenge was protecting this guy that I was working because, you know, I didn't want to hurt him. So, uh, yeah, you know, in, 19, in 1986, the true story is um, I actually – knew somebody that was friends with Pat O'Connor and they introduced me to Pat O'Connor and Pat O'Connor, and they brought Pat O'Connor up to bodybuilders. I was working out at bodybuilders at Mark Twain, at Mark Twain mall out here in St. Charles. And Pat O'Connor came up, introduced himself to me and said that he had just signed a deal with Baba with, I believe, I think, man, my, my mind's gone. Uh, big Japan. Was that Baba? Giant Baba. Yeah. There was New Japan and yeah. Big Japan. So Big Japan was Baba. New Japan was Anoki. I went to I went to work for Anoki. But uh, so anyway, yeah. So it was Baba with New Japan, and uh, uh, he had said that what they were doing, they were trying a new system where they were taking the retired sumo wrestlers that were world champions, and they were wanting to bring the sumo crowd over to the pro wrestling side of it. So they would send these big former champions uh sumo wrestlers that have lost you know they lost all their weight and stuff like that 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 wasn't their gimmick i mean you know their their gimmick they'd lose all that weight so i would see them when they had trimmed down and what pat would do was basically teach them how to be a pro wrestler and do things without hurting somebody and i was basically the dummy so i you know i was 17 years old and uh you know and, and we went down you know behind you know after hours down to uh south broadway and, uh, and, and that's what we did for probably two or three hours, three nights a week. And then these people would, you know, that, and then Pat would kind of take them around because Pat was running central States at the time with Bob Geigel and uh bulldog Bob Brown. So, um, you know, so, uh, so he'd run into them circuits and went through that territory back then. It was, that was like St. Joe's Kansas city, you know, uh, uh, Missouri area, you know, I mean, maybe parts of Southern Illinois and, uh, running that kind of territory. And, uh, you know, kind of getting these guys to, to, to figure out how to, you know, how to, how to, how to learn a new craft. And then when he felt they were ready, then he'd send them back to Baba and, uh, you know, and then Baba would put them in the ring and hopefully draw the sumo crowd towards the pro wrestling end of it. So, yeah. So not many people know that. So. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, that is a crazy story, you know, about getting in, in, in into, uh, to the world of uh, pro wrestling, I have one more question, and I'm going to throw it to my uh, co-host for the night, Hulk Hodge, because I know that he has some uh, questions and stuff. And that is, you know, you can't talk about pro wrestling without talking about one of the greatest wrestlers, I believe, and that is Holy Race. Uh, you know, 
can can you tell us some of your experiences with Harley Race? You know, Harley was a good guy. I met Harley when I was when me and Gary were running around the road to Central States. Uh, I I had met Harley then. Um, you know, and 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 Harley uh, Harley uh, was basically someone that um, that had a lot of notoriety, and he knew his stuff and. It's a very at that age. I mean, I think I was like eighteen or nineteen years old. I just kind of started to shadow him and just kind of just started. You know, I, I, the thing I admire about Harley Race is he was a tough guy. I mean, all of them stories are true, man. He was a tough guy. But uh, one thing about Harley is Harley didn't move fast in the ring, so that's why he could go an hour. But it looked like he was either getting his ass whooped or whooping somebody's ass. But watch Harley match. Watch Harley races matches. That guy moves slower than anybody you've probably ever seen. But the way mm-hmm. he could move and all his timing, that's all he needed. So you know Harley had a great run. Um, he taught me a lot. You know he had that little school down there uh, that uh, you know a lot of those guys came out of, including that uh, that Murdoch guy that uh, used to wrestle as Trevor Rhodes, and I think he went into the WWE and he was. It was short term, but I do think he won the tag team titles. Um, uh, was it Trevor Murdoch? Is that does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So I mean, yeah. So when I when I see Trevor Murdoch back then, yeah, he had these little Kmart boots, and his name was Trevor uh, Tr- Trevor Rhodes uh, because they thought he looked like a Rhodes. So um, so yeah. So you know, I mean, you know, I had a lot of good experiences with Harley. Um, you know, I went back over to him probably. I would say. Sometime uh, mid 2000s, I guess, and uh, and started doing some more shows with them and stuff like that. And that's where I'd met that Trevor Murdoch, and uh, you know a bunch of good guys, man. I mean, uh, uh, like Superstar Steve and God, uh, what was that guy? His name was uh, Bull Bull Schmidt. Bull Schmidt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just, you know, just uh, just guys that uh, that every probably don't even know but just just guys that i know of that were just good workers you know i mean like like you know it's like someone like ricky cruz i mean just you know an excellent worker but you know in today's age and what things are you know you know unless you know unless they follow him or they see him they you know they don't know who he is so you know but those guys the thing is and it, it's kind of like me i mean i felt like my talent was you know what I, they might not come here the first time because they don't really know who i am but I'll bring them back in there once I get back in the main event, you know, I mean, so, you know, I mean, you know, and I, and I don't know, man, I, you know, but, 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 you know, the Harley, Harley didn't really teach my craft. My craft was taught. My, my, my craft was a tag team between Larry Matisic and Bruiser Brody until Brody died in the 88. They're the ones that kind of, kind of basically made my, you know, kind of formed me and stuff like that. And, and I was, and I was a rough character, and I'm sure I created a lot of heat with a lot of guys that stepped in the ring with me because, you know, I mean, I, I just I didn't put up with shit, you know. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, things needed to go a certain way. Uh, a lot of guys don't know how to ad lib, you know. I mean, dude, I was trained. I, I was trained by these guys. You, you didn't even see your opponent until you stepped into the ring, and then you got to put a 30, 40 minute match together. I mean, they can't do that nowadays. I mean, it's all it's all a square dance, you know. And but back then. You know, I mean, back then, I, you know, I mean, we could go out there and you, know, you got to realize when I started, there was two kinds, two kinds of people in, in the crowd. There were people that believed mm-hmm. it was real and there was people that wondered if it was real. 
And when they left that show and they seen Rocky Johnson versus Harley Race in the main event, then people left that arena believing it was real. That was the era that I came into. Well, you know, then things change, of course. But, you know, that's a whole different story. Yeah, but no, so that, you know, yeah, I, got, I, I owe a lot to Harley. I owe a lot to, uh, I owe a lot to, uh, to, to Brody. I owe a lot to, to, to Pat O'Connor. I mean, um, you know, just kind of teaching me, you know, I mean, Jesus, man, I'll tell you what, when Pat O'Connor grabbed a hold of you, it was like the grip of a, of a, of a silverback gorilla, man. I mean, I never, I never felt so helpless when somebody grabbed me. Of course, until I started wrestling Bob Orton, because I'll tell you what, that's a strong son of a bitch too. So, uh, no, yeah, and, and, and you know, you know, and that's the, I'll tell you what, that's the guy right there. I mean, I don't mean to blab, but that's the guy right there that that I owe a lot yeah. to. You know, I mean, he's you know, he's really, you know, I was a rough piece of coal, you know, and Bob kind of, you know, kind of polished me and stuff like that. And you know, I mean, it wasn't about what I do, but it was when I did it and stuff like that. Things that I was learning through Brody, but of course, like I said, Brody died in '88. I'd already been in the business two years, so you know. Anyway, like yeah, um, man, you know. Uh, speaking of of, of, of Boozer Bodie, uh, that was a guy that that was was before my time, but like I didn't start watching wrestling until like like the early nineties, so I didn't know anything about Boozer Bodie until I became like a, a teenager and. Man, as soon as I found out about him, I wanted to watch everything I possibly could about about Bruiser Brody because he was 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 absolutely he was absolutely amazing, and I gotta know what it was like, you know, working with the Bruiser Brody. Frank was larger than life. Um, I'm sorry if I kind of echo walking through here. I'm remodeling the house, and some of these rooms aren't done, and it sounds like I'm in the bathroom or something, but. Uh, uh, no, uh, 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 man, I'll tell you what, one of the most impressionable guys, impressionable guys I, I've ever met, um, just uh, just uh, commanded attention everywhere he went, and he didn't even mean to. So, um, you know, um, a legitimate badass, uh, you know, I mean, just um, when when Frank died, I can honestly say this, and I'll say it to my grave, when Frank died, I believe the independents lost all their power because Frank wasn't going to sign with WWF. Frank wasn't going to sign with anybody big because Frank knew that he still had power in the independent rankings and he could still go to Japan. So go to Puerto Rico and get, get, and get what he wanted. And then uh, <clears throat> I believe what he was probably going to do, he was probably going to take that money. Excuse me. <clears throat> he was probably going to take that money and probably start a promotion. And I know he had started one with Larry, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, again, when, you know, when he passed and, you know, there wasn't a day sadder than that, man. I mean, I got that call from Larry Matisic and, uh, you know, when he died, I, you know, I mean, it was like me and Larry and Herb, you know, I mean, we all, uh, you know, part of us, you know, left and, uh, and we were just like, like, I can't believe this just happened. And I was so surreal, you know, in, in that point of my career and that point of my life, because, I didn't know what to do. I mean, he was opening doors for me down at World Championship Wrestling with the Von Erichs and stuff, and you know, and everything. Bam, that shut. And I think back then he might have been with Inoki, uh, so that would have been a first opportunity for me to get over there. He was going to Mexico, so you know, I mean, he was kind of, you know, it was, 
know, I can't sit here and say he was grooming me, but every time they brought him in town, almost every time there was a tag match involved with me and him. And, you know, just when you're, when you're 18 or 19 years old and you're tagging with someone that's just, you know, you just, you just, you, you just, you know, all, you know, you were in awe over for, you know, your entire childhood. And you know, here you are in the ring with him and he's tagging you, you know, I mean, and here he's doing, giving, you know, giving, giving the giant assassin the boot and tossing me off the top rope to pin him. I mean, there's not many people that can say they did that, you know, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that, man. I mean, that was, you know, there's, 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 there's very few highlights I got in my career as far as like just, just happy times because, you know, wrestling's a struggle, man. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a tough sport and it, it takes a lot out of you. And um, whether you're full-time or whether you're part-time, you know, I'd rather be full-time. You know, there's one thing to be in shape and there's another thing to be in hitting shape. So, you know, when I did it five or six nights a week, and you would go seven nights a week over in Japan. And then sometimes if you're going to Puerto Rico, you're doing two, 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 two days on, or two, two shows on TV on Sunday. So, you know, I mean, it takes it out of you, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, man, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's been a long and, and rough sport. I'm feeling, you know, everything I did back then, I'm feeling it now. Trust me. Uh, you know, I live in Missouri, I live in St. Charles, Missouri. So, I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, it gets cold here and, and I can feel it before it rains. I can feel it before it, you know, it drops, you know, the temperature drops and, you know, it's just, um, yeah, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, it's been a heck of a life, but, um, no, man, Frank added a lot to my life. And I'll tell you, he taught me a lot about my character. He taught me a lot about me. Now, the funny thing was, is I introduced one of my girlfriends to him and I go, Hey, Frank, I go, uh, all right. I didn't call him Frank. I mean, you always, you know, you, you, you when you're out in the crowd or, you know, around people, you always call them by, you know, by their, by their gimmick name. And I'm like, Hey, I go, bro, I go, I go, this is my girlfriend right there. And she was seven years older than me. And he looked up at her. He looked at me, he goes, she's too old for you, kid. You know, I'm like, Holy shit. So, and sure enough, you know, he was, but, uh, but uh, no, man, I mean, Frank was a good guy. His wife's uh, just a, just a super person, Barbara. Uh, I used to see her mm-hmm. all the time, at least once a year. Just a just a wonderful person. Just has a just a beautiful heart, you know. So, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, bottom line is this, man. When uh, when Brody died, the independents died. They couldn't draw, you know. Brody wasn't going to sign with the big companies. He knew he could get his money on the independents. He knew he could come through here and, you know, get X amount of money per shot, and he'd make it. And you know, and if Brody was on the card, people would come. So, you know, I mean, and when he died. There was nobody, nobody that had the leverage that that one individual had when he died. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, that killed the independence. You know, I really did. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, that was, that was the, uh, that was the turnaround for, for wrestling, you know, and I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Hey man, wrestling in the eighties is a lot different than it was in the nineties and a lot different yeah. than it was in the two thousands. So I'm more of the fan. Of, I'm I'm more of a fan of the '80s. I'm sorry, but that's just oh, where I'm at. So. Yeah, I, I do not blame you. Um, so John Hans, why don't you come in here with whatever questions that you have? Because because I know that 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 you have have quite a bit of questions. So why don't you go ahead and with whatever questions you have, so Actually, I've only got a few questions. Uh, I spent most of the – I got to do the first hour by myself, so I got most of my questions out the first hour. Um, (laughs) But uh, 
now with uh, Mr. Powers, though, uh, congratulations on being inducted into the Hall of Fame there. it's I'm sure that's quite the honor to be inducted. And looking at the list of the inductees, uh, that's quite a class to be going in with. Uh, can we get your thoughts on each one of the inductees that you're going in with this year? Oh, man, I've had some cocktails. You want the truth? <laughs> sure. Do you want the truth? We ask the hard questions here. <laughs> Do you want the truth? Because I'm telling you, it ain't going to be pretty. So, no, go ahead, man. Ask me what. I, 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 I will, you know what? I don't have a problem being moxie. That's always been my fucking problem. And then maybe that's why I haven't, you know, gone as far as I should have gone with, with WCW or whatever. Uh, I've always had the opportunity to say no. I've always had a great job. I never needed this shit. I never needed to, to you know, slip on a banana peel and act like a monkey. And I and I wasn't going to do that kind of shit. And, you know, I always had the opportunity to say no. So, unfortunately, uh, in all this turmoil, um, I ran across probably a bunch of these guys you're going to mention. So, I probably wasn't the nicest to them. And I don't really blame them for them not being the nicest to me. But, at the time uh, of my life, uh, I just pretty much told him like it was. So, shoot. <laughs> All right. Well, of course, you have uh, the giant assassin who I've heard you mention a couple times already. Oh, I love Joe. I love Joe. Jo- Joe, man, I'll tell you what. There's there's no more. There's, you know, after a career, you know, I started in 86. After this kind of career, you forget so many matches but i can remember so many matches that i had with the giant assassin and big daddy and the way we would make them girls cry at south broadway was crazy i mean it was crazy and danny boy and gary jackson and uh oh my gosh john blackheart I mean, we had them people at the palm of our hands. When they took me out, when John Blackheart and Danny Boy took me out down there at South Broadway, them people were livid, and they were carrying me out in the gurney. And Danny Boy got on the top rope, on the top rope, and frog splashed me while they were taking me out on the gurney onto the floor. Them people were up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, man, I didn't mean to blab, but uh, this is – go ahead. I, I, like I said, I know a lot of these guys are going to be guys I've met on this independent scene in the Missouri area, so I'm kind of curious to see who else is on this uh, on this list. Oh, that, that's perfectly fine. I, I, we love the stories here. We love hearing all the stories, and it, it's just awesome to, to get to know the backstage and everything. Yeah. No, um, hey, Joe was great. Joe, Joe was great. Easy night. I mean, him and him and him and him and big daddy night off. Um, and like I said, man, we could bring them people to their knees. Just God, I could go on and on, man. Every, every time I think, every time I think of the giant assassin and big daddy, I smile and, and that's no shit. I mean, I just, I, you know, I mean, it just, it just, it just brings a smile on my face, man. I, I love them guys. They were, they were such a such a deep rooted part of my life back when I was eighteen, nineteen, twenty one years old, and, and and for them guys to help me get that kind of response, you know, I mean, I wouldn't have been anything I was then if it wasn't for them. So you know, I mean, uh, they they made. Okay, well, how about the rough cut Rick Ruby? 
Man, I have to say I'm not sure. I've done a lot of independent shows. I'm sure I ran across them, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I just it just does not ring a bell, and I apologize. I took a lot of blows to the head. I'm pretty sure I got that CTE shit, so um, I might not recognize a lot of these names. I apologize. That, that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, Mr. Big? <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he's a good guy, man. Good guy, good guy. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, these decent people. I don't, I don't, I don't really have. I don't really have any stories, man. I just kind of remember the faces and stuff like that. And, you know, everybody was harmless. Everybody was nice, man. You know, you know, my, my, you know. Go ahead. I, I don't mean to blab on. Go ahead. No, no, by by all means. I mean, we we didn't get you on here to listen to us. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 man. Um, you know, like I said, there were so many faces that went through SICW and MMWA here in St. Louis. And, you know, a lot of these guys I might I might not know. But, um, you know, if, if they were around back when I was around, then I'm pretty sure their heart was in the right place. And, you know, like I said, man, I, I might have nice things to say about these guys because I might not know them. And, and that's okay because, you know, I mean, like I said, I've run across a lot of people. But, if they remember me and they might not like me, then, you know, I wasn't, dude, I wasn't the most likable guy. You know, I mean, I just, I, you know, I, 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 my, my, you know, I had bigger goals, you know, and, and I, I wanted to move on and, and, uh, you know, and at that time, you know, dude, I might've, you know, I might've stepped on a lot of toes and, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and so I don't know if these guys might have worse stories than I do, but, you know, I just don't recall it at the time. And like I said, I mean, you know, when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, you're getting pushes everywhere you go. You know, I mean, you're holding titles simultaneously and you're pro wrestling illustrated and, you know, shit. <laughs> I mean, dude, I was raised in Cottleville, Missouri, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, there was, there was nothing here. And, uh, and I went from that to that. So, you know, at, at, at 18. So, you know, I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, these guys, they, you know, uh, and, and, you know, and I did what I could, you know, I mean, I did what I could to get by and get ahead, and, you know, and, uh, and if somebody, and I, and I always felt, you know, unfortunately, I'm kind of nervous about some of these names you're going to bring up because I kind of felt like if those guys wouldn't bring it to the ring, I had to bring it to them because I still had to get myself over. So some of these guys you might mention, um, I might have just kind of ran through because, you know, the thing is, uh, I'm not going to sit there and work with something when you're 270 pounds and you can work and you can, you know, you can do one of two things. You can either put it in there or not put it in there. Uh, you know, you want somebody that can, that can kind of, uh, give it back. And, you know, man, it just seemed like, you know, like these independents back then, it just seemed like that not a lot of, you know, I mean, Gary Jackson, Danny boy, those guys could go, but you know, then you had these guys like Bill Osborne and, and bull, uh, 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 bull, you know, I, I'm not really sure. It's just, you know, you were wondering why they were even, even in the ring, you know. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm afraid I, like I said, I'm afraid I stepped on a lot of toes and pissed a lot of people off back then. But, hey, it is, you know, it is what it is. And the last one I'll bring up is the Cowboy Bob Orton. Bob, um, Bob is, um, one of the most influential people that I met, and I'm gonna say, 
I first met Bob in 1988, and um, well, it, may, it might have been 87. I was wrestling Terry Funk back then, and uh, and I think he came on a show with Dick Murdoch, and we were running like Centralia and things like that with uh, with Herb and Larry. Uh, Bob Orton is a uh, a wonderful person. Bob Orton is one of my best friends. I talk to him at least every three days. Um, uh, he keeps in touch. We're you know, like I said, man, me, him, and a guy named Carl. Um, the three of us are, you know, extremely close and, you know, we take care of each other and, uh, we see each other about, you know, once a month and we have, you know, barbecues and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, Bob, Bob's a great person. He taught me a lot. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, when he had his opportunity to teach me what he knew, the, uh, the, uh, the business was changing. And, you know, I just remember we were down in new Orleans and we were wrestling down there for a guy named Buck Robley. And uh, Buck was the booker down there. And um, I remember leaving the gym one day, and I was talking to Bob about timing. And he goes, he goes, Ron, he goes, or no, psychology. I was talking to him about psychology. He goes, it's not about psychology anymore. And he never said any more than that, you know. And then I just kind of started watching how it was and how TV was and stuff and, and how the psychology did. It started to change. I mean, there was, you know, I mean, I mean, hell, you you go to an independent show right now, you can't tell who's a heel and who's a, who's a face, you know? I mean, you can watch TV and not tell who's a heel and who's a, oh, of course it's COVID, but I'm talking pre COVID. So, you know, I, you know, yeah, you know, um, yeah, those, those, you know, those, those, everybody you mentioned right there. I mean, I'm sure I ran across them. Uh, uh, I don't recognize anybody that, <laughs> that I might've whooped up one, but, um, but no, uh, yeah, you know, this was this this was a great sport for me. Um, unfortunately, I think I I put a few more years into it than I should have. Um, you know, it would have been nice to have quit in my 30s. But uh, you know, this the thing about this sport, man, it's once it gets into you, it's it's in you. it's in your blood. It's it's like um, you know, and 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 then you know, back when I started, and there was there was in the dressing room there was camaraderie, and you know. You know, it was like the band of brothers. I mean, you know, it's like you know, like the Marines. It's like, it's like, it's like a, it's like the offense. It's like the defense of a football team. I mean, you're one unit and you're close and you're all close. You have respect for everybody, and that's that's how I, that's how I was groomed is to have respect for my opponent and and, and respect his craft and, and 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 try to do everything you could to to have a great match and. Um, and unfortunately, I just don't think it's like that anymore. And, uh, you know, it stopped doing that kind of stuff probably 10, 15 years ago. You know, I mean, like I said, man, when I started, there was two kinds of people in the crowd, people that believed and people that wondered if it was real. And when they left the shows, they knew it was real. Now, you have people that know it's fake. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's like it's like David Blaine. If David Blaine did his trick five nights a week and then he showed you how he did them on Saturday and Sunday, would you want to watch it the following week? Well, that's what wrestling did. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I left an era. I left an era of when we wrestled in the ring. You were one on one. You never seen this guy until tonight, and you're going to talk everything out in the ring in a 20 minute match and get that 20 minute time limit down to the T. You don't see that anymore. So, um, you know, it's a uh, it's a different sport now. Um, you know, I mean, these guys can't even. The, the, the bad part about it is a lot, a lot of these guys can't even think on their own. I mean, they're all stuck with these gimmicks, and you know they learn how to work the gimmicks before they learn how to work. And 
you know, and you get what you got. And, you know, the, it's just, it's different, man. Other than that, what's up? And, <laughs> I, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer here. You know, it's just changed so much, you know. Uh, it has. And, and the first hour I was talking, I don't know if you know him or not, is the butcher Damian Blade. And uh, he was, he also discussed about how much wrestling has changed from when he first became a fan up until now and how he was a fan of some of the older stuff. And one question I posed to him was uh, a, a dream match. You know, who, if he could take on anybody who wanted, who would be a dream match for him? And uh, he threw out a couple names, but then he threw out your name, Ron Powers. He would love to go against. So I told him I would have to bring that up to you when, when we interviewed you and get your thoughts on that. Um, you know, <laughs> I am retired. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the fire is gone. Um, I, uh, you know, I, it ain't going to happen anyway. This COVID crap's going to be around for a long time. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm in jujitsu now. So I've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, I've got a personal trainer. He trained under, uh, 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 uh Royce Gracie Jr. started the uh, Gracie Baja schools and or Carlos Gracie Jr. I'm sorry. And uh, so Dan learned under that. And I, and that's what I do now, man. And uh, I've, I've been doing it, like I said, now for a couple of years, we were getting ready for the uh, masters tournaments and uh, then the COVID hit and all the tournaments stopped. So, uh, so right now that's, you know, that's about it, dude. I just, uh, you know, I try to stay in shape. I still got a little, you know, a little bit of fire in the belly, but, uh, but I don't know if I'm I'm to that level because I just don't know if I can move like that anymore. <laughs> so, so I'm afraid I'm afraid my big boot to the jaw is going to be a ball shot. So. <laughs> so well, it, it's definitely been an interesting interview, and I, I have learned a lot about you. Uh, Joe, did you have anything else? Um, you know what? Uh. I, I believe that, that it's time for us to go to the uh, Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. So if you want to set it up, so let's 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 go. All right. Well, welcome to this week's installment of the world famous Wrestle Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for the best two out of three falls. Our contest, our contestants tonight are Nightmare Jones. And Midwest Independent Hall of Fame class wrestler inductee Ron Powers. In a few moments, I'll ask three questions about a particular professional wrestling topic. Whenever you think you know the answer, you just shout it out. The first person to win two out of three falls will win the challenge. Are you game to play uh, play our challenge tonight, Mr. Powers? So what is this, like a trivia game? Yeah. Sure, why not? As long as it's not updated, because I don't, I've been watching, I've been watching on TV in about the last ten years. So, yeah, we'll see what happens here. Okay, sure. All right, Nightmare Jones, are you ready, sir? I'm always ready. All right, so let's go ahead and hit the game show theme music, and then we'll get into it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Tonight's wrestling talk pod, uh, wrestling talk podcast game show challenge category is NWA World Heavyweight Champion. I will give you information about three famous professional wrestlers who have held the same 10 pounds of gold. When you think you know who I'm talking about, just shout out your answer. The first person to win two falls will win tonight's contest. All right, are we ready for question one? Sure. Let's go. This this late professional wrestler was one of the most recognizable faces in the history of professional wrestling. Harley Race. A former three... Nope, Harley Race is not correct. Oh, you said pass. A former three-time NWA, well, you can still guess, though. A former three-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, this man is a part of NWA professional wrestling history, as he and his son Cody are the only father and son tandem to hold. That is correct. Ron Powers takes the first fall. So we are, Ron I actually Powers should lose that one because I messed it up. Nope, you you get multiple chances until you get it right. Okay. Well, until somebody gets it right, that is. Right. So question number two. This professional wrestler won the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in 1975, marking the first time the brothers held the NWA World Heavyweight Who's Championship. Terry that is correct. Mr. Ron Powers has the second question correct. So he has right. officially won the game show challenge for tonight. But let's go ahead and do question number three to see if he can sweep Nightmare Jones. Nightmare, sure. is your mic even working, sir? Oh, it's, it's, it's broken. It's just Ron is just, he, he's, he's, he's like a, a wrestling in encyclopedia. It's this is crazy. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. All right. Question number three. This late professional wrestler defeated the likes of Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, Dusty Rose, Harley Race, Giant Baba. Harley Race is correct. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, Nightmare oh. Jones has been swept. Huh. Nightmare. All right, let's play that winning music. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they stay there. Congratulations, Ron, on winning the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. All right, man. Thank you. So before we uh, before we let you go here, one last bit of business here. First off, just promise us that you will come back because these interviews, they barely get to scratch the surface before they seem to be over, and there's just so much more that we can cover, and we look forward to talking with you again. So please promise us that you would come back. No man, hey, it's it's been a pleasure. It's been fun. I was kind of—I don't do many podcasts, and when when uh, when a searcher was telling me about this, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. But uh, but no man, I had a blast. It was great talking to you guys, and uh, uh, thanks for making me smile. 
All right, and then before we go, well, the last thing here is just give us all of your uh, all of your information where fans can follow you. You know, your Facebook, your Twitter, and all that good information, so that our Wrestle Talk podcast family can follow you and uh, see what you're what you're up to. You know, I hate to say it, I don't I don't have any of that. But if anybody wants to get a hold of me, they can get a hold of me through Herb Simmons at SICW. I'm sure you guys can give everybody that information. You know Herb, right? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, he called in at the top of this hour, and uh, he sat on the line and listened to most of the interview. So he was he was listening to it. So he did okay, say to good. tell you hello tonight. Hey, hey. He can get a hold of me. So anybody who wants to get a hold of me, get a hold of Herb, and Herb can get a hold of me, and he can forward me the information. I'd be more than happy to talk to whoever wants to talk. Hope I don't put anybody to sleep. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on, sir, and welcome to the Wrestle Talk family. Hey, it's been fun, man. Thank you, guys. Like I said, you made me smile. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 331 of the Wrestle Talk podcast. Yes, it does. And it was a great, great episode. And I want to take time out to, to say thank you for uh, stepping up and uh, doing the first interview by your yourself. Uh, you are an amazing person, and we appreciate you, sir. Before we go, Joe, why don't you run us through our sponsors one more time here? Because we definitely got to thank those sponsors. Oh, my goodness. I mean, how can, can you forget? You know, you've got Kincaid. Uh, you've got uh, Pat Malachitz and um, Jay Hollywood, uh, the uh, Conspiracy Farm. I mean, uh, man, uh, there, there, there's just so many people. Mark Melo. Uh, Oh my goodness, Casey Dental. Royal, Royal Mills Transportation, I seventy Sports Royal Media. You know, yeah, right. Royal Mills Transportation. Uh, I they are, are just every single one of our sponsors are absolutely amazing. Yes, they are, and I, I tell you, we couldn't be doing this without them. And of course. The Wrestle Talk family, we definitely thank you guys and we love you. And we couldn't do what we do without you guys. So keep tuning in to us each week and we'll definitely keep bringing you the best content that we possibly can. So, Joe, any closing words? Oh, just thank you everybody for taking time out of their busy schedule to come on to the podcast. It's been absolutely Amazing. Thank you for all your support. Thank you for listening to us each and every single week. You are all awesome. Until next week, this has been the Wrestle Talk Podcast with uh, Joe and Renee and, and everybody else. <laughs> Drake. And, and we definitely we definitely have to thank we definitely have to thank Susie for calling in and uh, and talking with us during the high spots and helping cover that as well. So yeah, thank you, thank you to her, and it's just been an awesome show, and uh, I appreciate everybody, and appreciate the opportunity to uh, fill in when needed, and look forward to future episodes. So that's episode three thirty one in the books, and we will see you later. And Joe, it has been a pleasure, my friend. We are out. Yes, it has been. Hey.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.